You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, this and that podcast listeners. Thank you for joining us for another edition of our eclectic podcast where we talk everything that's anything. You are listening to your co-host, Brenda, better known as Miss Brenbren, and... This is David, a.k.a. The Professor. And um, we are excited to be with you yet again for another day. And today is April 28th. So, David, I just heard you say your name was David, a.k.a. The Professor. That's correct, yes. I thought you had a new moniker or alias. You are now known as Dr. David, are you not? No, we're not getting into this. And why are we not? Because we're not going to explain this to the listeners in podcast land. But I think we should. They need to know. You now have your medical doctor shingles hanging up. You are Dr. David. And, and I do not. <laughs> and when we say doctor, we don't mean PhD. We are talking medical doctor. But I guess he's not going to get into that today. So Moving we'll, right along. We'll have to save that story for another day. And Moving right along. Trust me, folks. He is now Dr. David. So anyway, thanks again for listening in on another... You don't even know what you want to talk about now. (laughs) I want to talk about the fact that you are Dr. David. You know what I mean? Right, we're not getting into that. Exactly, that was your agenda, your hidden agenda. We're not touching that. But anyway, we are getting into our April 28th, 2019 edition of our eclectic podcast, This and That. Episode 13, Lucky 13. So yay, 13, we are still on a roll. And we're not talking about rolling on the river. So anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about numerous topics. First, what's hot. We're going to talk about tragedy at, at uh, in, in Paris, France, Notre Dame Cathedral and aftermath. Then people demand it. We'll have to touch base on the Mueller report yet again, hopefully for the, the final time, at least in that full context. It will not be the final time. I'm, I'm hoping. But anyway, I digress. Our What's Up With That segment, we will touch on school dress code for parents. Yeah, you heard them. School dress code for parents. We'll just leave it at that. Then we have, in, in keeping kind of with the school theme, we're getting close to graduation time and the like, words of wisdom from what I think is probably one of the more famous commencement speeches of all time. And we will definitely share that later on in our podcast. Yes. But before we get any further, let's do our round of shout-outs. And let's start with here in the U.S. Um, we are... Always appreciative of those who are listening in on demand to our podcast. 
both in the U.S. and international. So, shout out to our listeners that include Carnegie, Georgia. Darien, Georgia. Dallas, Texas. Clarksburg, West Virginia. And Olive Branch, Mississippi. In the international realm, shout out to um, those in London. Uh, that's London, England, and we're going to keep it in the UK and give a shout out to uh, Kirkcaldy, Scotland, outside of uh, Edinburgh. And again, we are very, very appreciative of everybody who is listening in to us or listening in on our podcast. And that includes, we are getting news that we are being listened to by our military in both the U.S. and the international uh, bases. So thank you to all of our soldiers here in the U.S. as well as international for listening to our podcast. As well as any sailors and Marines who are listening as well. Very well, yes, everyone. And that includes their families and as well, like I said, them also. For listening in because we thank you for your service as well as for listening in to our podcast. Absolutely. Talking about listening to us on demand, where can folks find us? Well, they can find us on our home base of SoundCloud. Then uh, we're also available on the uh, Big Kahuna of Podcasts, iTunes, um, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts these days. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and also TuneIn. And, of course, if you're listening in and you want to give us feedback on anything that you hear or suggestions for the future, where can folks email us? Uh, email address is thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, all nine characters, at sign, about greatercincinnati.com. So, are we ready to get our Lucky 13 podcast underway? Uh, we are indeed. Then let's go. Let's talk a little bit about the unfortunate incident that happened over in Paris, France. And that is the burning of Notre Dame Cathedral. Yes, uh, it's, it's one of those tragic events. You, you, you see the images on, online, on your phone, on TV, whatever, and you're like, is this real? Is, is this real? Is this somebody just put out a, a kind of fake video? Right, and when we saw this on television, it really made us think about how fortunate we were to actually see the building in person when we got a chance to travel to Paris. Yes. So um, it's very unfortunate that part of this, what, 800-and-something-year-old building? It depends, it depends how you count because it, it, it's, they started building it in 1163, and it took over 200 years to finish, and then they've added, you know, statues and other stuff. So it's old. I would say it's like over 800 years old. It's, yeah, it's that's what I said. 800-plus-year-old building. Yeah, but it depends on how you count. And it's a beautiful building. And again, very unfortunate that some electrical shortage 
seems to be the culprit. Well, I said seems to be. Well, I don't know if it seems to be. That's what the French officials have said. And and having worked with French officials, sometimes some they make stuff up because this is how their system works. And sometimes they're right. A lot of times they're not. Well, so, I think it's we'll, we'll rather interesting that the building burned on, let's say, you know, one day. And the very next day, they are talking about, here's what the culprit was, and it's going to take us five years to rebuild, and they're already taking bids or quotes or people. They're, they're raising money. Submitting to um, rebuild the, the cathedral. Right, yeah. The and that's just day two. Right, well, France has a lot of... They have a lot of rich people in France, uh, French billionaires, and this this is where they the, the I don't know which one started it, but they started pledging, you know, buku dollars. So they've they've pledged a lot of money to uh, rebuild Notre Dame. I think it's it's in the might be close to billions now, but um, they've also faced backlash because it is France, and France is you know is capitalist but socialist at the same time. So. The, the socialists there, the, the left, are criticizing these millionaires, saying, gee, you'll spend money on this, but you won't do, you know, fill in the blank on whatever social ills France has. So they've, they, that, that's something they'll have, just have to deal with over time. But I, I don't know, it took that long to build it. Can they fix it in five to six years? Well, I don't know. That's what they are, are stating. It's a five-year project, and they are looking for... Bids to come from all over the world. It's France to um, you know bid to 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 renovate or restore the cathedral. Let's be real. This is France. So unless they suspend labor laws and union rules, there's no way it's going to be done in five to six years. And what I mean by that, for anyone who hasn't been to Paris or other parts of France, they're always on strike. Brenda and I were there. And there were numerous days when we were in Paris where, oh, they're on strike, they're not operating the metro or some other train. Or they're on strike, they're operating it, they're just not collecting the money. Well, <laughs> and crazy things like that. I'm the just, airport. I know, Where I was know. airport security when I we left? I know, I there know. There was none. But I'm just going <laughs> off of what is, being re what is being reported. So It's a five-year project. We'll no. have to see if it really is five years or longer. But again, very saddened to see that part of the cathedral was uh, burned down. Yes, and uh, amazingly, it's it's given how bad the blaze was, I'm surprised at the interior, how much of it is not damaged. And they were able to get out, you know, the artwork and relics and things like that as well. And... Also, the, the 12, um, there, if you've seen Notre Dame, you know that there are lots of gargoyle statues. But also at the very, very top on different towers, they have statues of um, the apostles. And just by coincidence, that day, they had taken those statues down to be cleaned, do something else with them. So those are still around as well. So they got a lot, I don't know about the stained glass windows, if there's, if they're going to be able to save those or how much of was well, damaged. It got kind one of thing is for sure, whatever they can save and salvage, they will. Absolutely, and they will rebuild it. I just, 
I'm just questioning, like, again, if they suspend how France works, literally how they work, then, yeah, they, five to six years, they might have a shot. Otherwise, yeah. I think you need to double that number, well, maybe triple it. We'll see. But in the meantime, let's get into another what's hot. And this is really hot. And that is the Mueller report. Yes, finally, the Mueller report is out. If, if you want the backstory on the Mueller report, listen to our podcast, episode 12. Okay, but before we go any further with this, let's solve one of the pending, one of the, the, the very important questions. And that what is, is that? how do you pronounce this man's name? Ah, uh, yes. Is uh, it Mueller or is it Mueller? Well, because I'm hearing it both ways. I say Mueller. Robert Mueller, Bob Mueller, was FBI director for about 12 years. Nobody else was FBI director that amount of time except for J. Edgar Hoover. And there are reasons for that we won't even get into. But he was the second longest running FBI director. Um, much beloved, very effective. And all during that time, his name was Robert Mueller or Bob Mueller. Nobody had a problem with this until recently. And it just drives me crazy that these news organizations especially have no institutional memory, memory supposedly, although they got people there, and I'm not going to call people out, but some of them are, have been there for, you know, two, three decades during this time frame. All right, so you said the key words, institutional memory. Yes. Play the clip. Right, and this clip is from Bob Mueller's at some event. Who cares what the event is? He's being addressed by, he's being introduced by then- CIA director John Brennan, who's since not um, um, CIA director. He's CIA director uh, under Obama for, for a time, and before that he was uh, head of the NSC, National Security Council for Obama. So he's introducing, this is towards the end of the introduction, listen very carefully. And so, without further ado, I welcome and express my personal appreciation and admiration for former FBI Director Bob Mueller. Now, Bob Mueller. The man's name is Mueller. Yeah, he's Mueller. And he is, he was being introduced by the then CIA director. And if the CIA director can't get your name right. And and the CIA director who's known him for his almost entire adult life in Washington, D.C. around intelligence and law enforcement. So if he doesn't know his name... I, I can't help you folks. Okay, so now that that has been resolved, Robert Mueller's report. Let's give them an update. The Mueller report, 448 pages. First, oh, just 448 pages. Yeah, 448 pages. I would say if you're interested in the report, go to the Department of Justice website, justice.gov, justice.gov, and download the PDF document. Did you do it? Yes, I did. All right. It's a hundred. So, it's about one hundred fourteen megabytes, but it's worth that versus being on, you know, CNN or New York Times website and being in their goofy reader and everything. It's just all right. Just so I have a, I have a question for you. Yes. From what little bit you've read so far, because I don't think you've read the entire report yet. No, I have not. I've been skipping around as I usually do. Do you classify it as a thriller? A snoozer or sci-fi? 
A thriller, a snoozer, a sci-fi? What kind of crazy? What is this, a newlywed game? Um, yeah, basically. Because 448 pages, that's like a novel. Yeah. So what kind of novel is it? A thriller? Uh, I would say it's a thriller. Okay. It's a thriller. Now that said, I haven't... There are no big revelations I've seen, but I keep up with this on a daily basis. So for me, there's... There hasn't been any real revelatory news. I mean, there are things like, oh, wow, Sarah Sanders lied again about something, and we got it specific. But I knew at the time what she's saying didn't make, wasn't true because it didn't make sense. But it's not so. only that. I mean, some of the news um, outlets that I've been listening to, they are basically trying to state things like it's new news. But yes, it's not. and that irritates me to no one, as you know, where they come up with breaking news and they talk about something that we knew that two years ago. Yeah. There, there is no, there is no, if you've been keeping up with the Russia investigation, meaning... The, and you don't even have to have been keeping up with it on a daily basis. No, no, no. If you've been keeping up with it periodically, what's the big news? Here's this indictment that's going down. Oh, New York Times or Washington Post said this story about what's going on behind the scenes and the like, then you will not, there were no surprises in this whatsoever. Full stop. And so let's, let's stop there. Now, some of the things I, I brought up was the redactions in episode 12 of our podcast. I talked about there are four different types of redactions and that the fight may be on... What kind of redactions were there going to be and things like that on what the Democrats were going to see? I think a lot of Democrats were expecting, you know, this thing to be just completely blacked out, like you see in movies sometimes. And maybe there's three sentences you can read out of the whole thing. Well, that's what people were expecting. Well, when, when the Attorney General, who, by the way, gave a very bizarre pre-buttle kind of press conference before anyone could even see the report... And that's all I can really say about that press conference is it was just bizarre. Bizarre um, and unnecessary, I would think. But I think he did it because, you know, he's he, he did it to please his boss, basically. Again, I think. bizarre and unnecessary. It was unnecessary from the point of the report. I think it just pulls away from the report. But the report, he said the report was lightly redacted. And I'm sure a lot of reporters and others were snickering that, yeah, right. No, it is, folks. Only, and there are people who have done this analysis. analysis. I, I can't take credit for this. This is from um, Vox website, New York Times. Other people have done it, 580. But I've, I've gone to Vox because they're just kind of like just the facts. And 7.25% of the content of the Mueller report is redacted. So. That's not a lot. That's, when he said it was lightly redacted, yeah, that's like nothing. And people have laid out, when you can look at it visually, what's redacted. And a lot of people who want to play this thing up, they'll show you. There are a few pages that are, you know, completely redacted out. But that's like, you can count those on, you know, less than one hand. Most of the things are redacted here and there and the like. Okay, so what kind of, what are the redactions about? Well, well first of all, let's talk about the sections. What sections... Even the intro has redactions in it. I mean, that's the nature of this stuff. So which sections of the report have the most redactions? And the report, I should have said, is in two volumes. 
There's volume one, which is really, in plain English, what were the Russians doing, who were they doing it to, and who, were, who may or may not have been helping them. So that's like volume one, which was the main reason why the Mueller investigation was spun up. Then you got volume two, which is basically, um, here's where President Trump may or may not have tried to impede the investigation, and in some cases did impede the investigation, but in most cases was unable to impede the investigation, and maybe this rises to the level of obstruction of justice, maybe it does not. And as the Attorney General said, he didn't make a determination on that. Um, if you read the executive summary of Volume 2, which is all I've read in Volume 2, he talks about 10 instances, actually it's kind of like 11, but it's 10 highlighted, where these may have risen to the, the point of obstruction of justice, but because of the Justice Department guidelines, he can't even give his opinion on does he think the president should have been charged, shouldn't be charged, and so forth, because the rule is the sitting president can't be indicted. So his whole thing is, I'm just going to lay this out, and Congress has the authority to do, you know, to look at it, not look at it, whatever. Which a lot of people have said, oh, well, Mueller said, you know, he's leaving it to Congress. And... Yeah, it, I think if he wanted to explicitly say it's up to Congress, I think he would have said that. His whole thing is, he's not telling Congress, I'm definitely leaving it to you, but he's saying it's in their purview. They're the Article One power. They're a separate branch. They can do whatever they want. So, And, and we know that under the Democrats that they're going to look up and pursue should the, the president be impeached and everything else under, you know, obstruction of justice. So that's just going to happen um, regardless. And that's the whole second part, which doesn't interest me at all. Volume 2 really doesn't interest me that much. Volume 1, what did the Russians do? How did they do it? Are they going to come back for us? That's really the part. And I really wish people would focus on that. Nobody in Congress is really talking about that. There are no hearings about it. Nobody's doing nothing about it. And that just irritates me to no end. Well, and that's where most of the redactions are. If you ask you would me, expect in a real investigation. If you ask me, they should be paying attention to that. Yes. Because, yeah, right now the Russians are saying they're all up in arms because they're like, no, we didn't do any of this. And, you know, why are you pointing the finger at us and all that other good stuff. Yeah. But um, I would just hate to see this happen again. And then you... Is it'll be like we we've already heard the song. Do we right. really have to hear it again? Right. So um, and and as I said, the the vast majority of the redactions are in volume one, and they deal with the Russians. Forty six percent of the redactions are about Russian so called active measures with social media campaign. How are they trying to screw with us to get us Americans to fight each other, whether it's an election or not? Things like you know just get. Black Lives Matter movement and somebody else in the same location at the same time so that they can clash. Um, so that's like 40% of the redactions. Then 23% of the redactions are about the Russian hacking and who and how did they dump that information, who, who they disseminated to and how they disseminate it. And then 4% of the redactions are about the Russian government's links to contacts with the Trump campaign. And then 31% are about um, ongoing prosecutions 
uh, investigations. And oh, by the way, there are 14 investigations that were spun off of this. Uh, 12 of which we don't know anything about because they're still ongoing. Two we know about. One, one is the Michael Cohen investigations, and we know he's going to jail. It's just a matter of when, when this summer is he going to go to jail. And then the other one um, came down before the Mueller report just last week. Greg Craig, who was White House counsel for Obama, apparently he got caught up in, in this because he was doing lobbying for Ukraine but hadn't registered, and then he, he lied about it and so on. So if you add up those numbers, almost 100% of the document has to do with the Russians, one way or the other. And then the other stuff has to do with... Um, well, the prosecutions are like, that's part of grand jury and so forth. So that's the other piece that's there as well. And by law, they couldn't release that. A judge could release it, and we went through the whole rigmarole. Is that going to come out? Probably so, but there, there'll be a whole bunch of uh, lawsuits around that. Well, I don't think this is going to be the end of the story. It's going to remain a hot topic, and there will be more to come. So, Dr. David. Oops, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Okay. So, from time to time, we come across a story, and we look at ourselves, and we ask ourselves the question, what's What's up up with with that? that? And that was the case when we heard about dress code for parents at a local, well, not a local, but at a high school. And that, well, David, what's up with that? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the high school is in Houston, Texas. And the principal, Carlotta Outley Brown, sent a letter to the president, uh, the, not the president, to the <laughs> parents and uh, other she, folks. She, <laughs> she said to the president, I know. That's, <laughs> people don't know what happens in between the different segments, and the whole president thing is that's an outgrowth of what we were talking about. She in between might have wanted to send the president <laughs> a letter, but okay, a story for another day. But anyway, go on. But that's a Freudian slip because of something that happened in between. But that may show up in a podcast, but that's. That's what happens. It's kind of like when you watch TV and sometimes the anchors come back from newscasts and you have no idea what they were laughing at. It's kind of like that, folks. So anyway. Yeah, that's that's an outtake. (laughs) But anyway, move on. Um, So James Madison High School, Houston, Texas. Uh, Principal Carlotta Outley Brown sent a letter to the parents of the children attending the school and I'm looking at it here. The, the letter's dated April 9th, 2019. And I'm, I'm just going to read the whole letter. It's just a one-pager. And uh, I'm just going to read it in full. So, April 9th, 2019. Dear Madison parents and all guests, to prepare our children and let them know daily the appropriate attire they are supposed to wear when entering a building, going somewhere, applying for a job, or visiting someone outside of the home setting, I am going to enforce these guidelines on a daily basis at Madison High School. We are preparing our children for the future, and it begins here. 
Therefore, and there are a bunch of bullet points. Here they go. Uh, starting with the first one. No one can enter the building or be on the school premises wearing a satin cap or bonnet on their head for any reason in the building. You also cannot wear a shower cap or any kind of any kind in the building. Bullet point two. Hair rollers will not be permitted in the building. Pajamas of any kind will not be permitted in the building along with house shoes or any other attire that could possibly be pajamas, underwear, or home setting wear, such as flannel pajamas. Jeans that are torn from your buttocks, and she has in parens behind, to all the way down showing lots of skin will not be permitted in the building or the premises. Leggings that are showing your bottom and where your body is not covered from the front or the, or the back, and she has in parens rear, will not be permitted in the building and on the premises. Very low cut tops or revealing tops that you can see your bust, parens, breasts, will not be permitted in the building or on the premises. Sagging pants, shorts, jeans will not be permitted in the building and on the premises. Men wearing undershirts will not, she's screaming, all caps and that not, be permitted in the building. Short shorts that are up to your behind will not, screaming again, that not, be permitted on the premises and in the building. Daisy Dukes and low rider shorts will not be permitted on the premises and in the building. Dresses, dresses that are up to your behind will not be permitted on the premises or in the building or any attire that is totally unacceptable for the school setting. That's the end of the bullets. Then we got one more paragraph here. This next sentence is bold underline. Please know that if you break our school rules slash policies or do not follow one of these rules, you will not be permitted inside the school until you return appropriately dressed for the school setting. Parents, we do value you as a partner in your child's education. You are your child's first teacher. However, please know we have to have standards most of all, we must have high standards. We are preparing your child for a prosperous future. We want them to know what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for any setting they may be in. This is a professional educational environment where we are teaching our children what is right and what is correct or not correct. We value you, but we must ask you to value and follow the rules of the school environment. This guideline will apply to any and all events that happen inside slash outside of Madison's premises. Thanks for understanding and being a partner in your child slash children's education. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask sincerely and then sign um, Carlotta Outley Brown, Ma James Madison High School. And that's the principal again. All right. So... That policy went home via the students, stated April 9th. I assume it went home April 9th. Didn't go over well. No, it didn't go over well, and I don't have any kids in that school Well, it's in district. Houston, number one. Well, like I said, <laughs> I don't have any kids in that school district, but I do have a couple of questions because part of, I understand what she's trying to do, and part of what she's saying I agree with, and then there are parts that I don't agree with. And, for example, one of my questions is, 
what's the definition of school premises? If I'm sitting in my car and I'm parked outside school, is that considered school premises? Probably. I mean, why can't I be sitting in my car with head rollers in my hair and a scarf on my head, sitting in my PJs, waiting for my kid? But it may not. I'm in my car. But they may have a... We, we, there's a lot we don't know about this. This may be a school where they don't allow kids that you have to come and pick up your child. There are schools where kids can't just come school. to school. I understand it's that. It's not an elementary school. I understand school. that. So and that's part of my but that's part of my out, in out of the door by him or herself. And that's part of my problem with clearly I don't have to hold their hand to go inside the building. That's part of my problem with this. The whole the whole tone of this note, I think, is I think an incident happened. I'm completely speculating here because we don't have... She's not talking to reporters. We don't know what, what was the impetus for this. But I think clearly something happened. Too many people came dressed a certain way and she just went off. And the tone of this note, that's one of those don't write communications when you're angry because it just doesn't work well. And I think the, the, this could have been handled better I think instead of just sending a note cold home with your kids, there should have been some kind of, they have these um, parent-teacher days. It could have been communicated in a much better way, number one. Number two, I don't agree necessarily. I understand what she's saying, but people have a lot of different circumstances about yes, things. Yes, they do. And like I said, some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. What I agree with is you shouldn't be walking in the building dressed in your pajamas. For example, if you have on the um, what do you call those thing, um, adult onesies with the foot with the feet, I don't I don't need to see you walking in the school building dressed like that. Yeah, but what if you're wearing and there are there are pajama there are pajamas that look like sweatpants, athletic gear. Yeah, what and about that, those? and that I she would doesn't be make okay it, with. But she doesn't make it. And that's what I'm saying. So Some what does she it, mean? It's very unclear. Some of it I don't agree with, but some of it I do agree with. It's it's tough. It's very unclear. Number two, she says the thing about rollers and all this other stuff. What if you're about to go to, to an event and your hair is being set, but you got to pick up your kid for whatever reason? You hadn't planned necessarily to go pick up your kid. What are you supposed to do? There are a lot of people, like I said, she does not allow for real-world circumstances. And that's where it gets into the definition of premises. I should be able to sit in my car and my head, hair rollers and not be escorted off the premises while my kid walks out the building by his or herself and get in the car. They don't need me to hold their hands to get f- from outside the building or inside the building. That's just ridiculous. Also, she talks about wearing undershirts. A lot of people do not make distinctions between, especially today when you go buy an undershirt. You don't buy an undershirt. You buy a t-shirt. And there are lots of t-shirts that look just fine as outerwear. They have pockets. Some of them are long sleeve. So, again, not very clear <laughs> about what is it she's trying to, to, to um, ban control, however you want to well, phrase it. Well, it's unfortunate that you know, she had to... a wife beater. I think she's talking about like a Robin Harris, you know, 
you know, test tube baby, wife well, beater, house, like said, house party kind of shit. I think un- that's what she meant, but that's not what this says. that she had to write this letter. Um, because it seems like people should just be able to use common sense. Well, you know, and yes, I know the old <laughs> adage, common sense ain't common. Right. I got that. Well, the president... It, sh- it should... This is something that people should be able to just use common sense applies. Yeah, but but common sense in some people's neighborhood, what was common sense is environment and social factors come into play. And what's acceptable in some neighborhoods may not be acceptable to her. And this is where the president of the Houston Federation of Teachers, Zeph Capo, um, thinks that the principal went too far. And quoting him, because he, he spoke to CNN about this, he says... Having body parts exposed is one thing. Turning someone away because their hair is in rollers is a little ridiculous. And he says it's an issue of the principal issuing a dictatorial edict rather than having substantive conversation. And I have to agree. This is this is one of the issues I've always had with with K through twelve education. These administrators get a little bit of power, some of them. And they go off and make these kind of dictatorial edicts, fascist kind of kind of um, school policies, instead of having conversations with either the parents, the children, or both. And you just create problems. He also goes on and says some of the stuff seems you know a little bit classist to him, but he doesn't doesn't explain. That's Mr. Capo, the, the president well, of the Houston Federation. Some of, of it, I think, is classist. But school- again, I just wish. Common sense applies would be the rule of the day. But I know everybody doesn't have the same definition of common sense. Well, some of the parents that, that also, um, if, if you see them quoted in the New York Times and um, CNN and other places, NBC, they do not take kindly to what, what she said, basically. Because one person's like, as long as they're not carrying weapons and, and like the... the president of the Federation of Teachers, as long as they're not half-naked, what's her problem? Well, that's where we're going to ask the listeners to our This and That podcast to chime in. What do you think? Send us an email. Yes, send us an email at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, this and that, all nine characters, at sign, about greatercincinnati.com. Let us know how you feel about this. Yeah, we've told you what we feel. So we're curious, what do you think? Did the principal go too far? Or is it okay? Again, I think she went too far. I understand what she was trying to do, but it, it should have been handled a completely different way. And and now it's a complete cop-out. Don't have the guts to stand behind what she did and explain it. And and also the school district, the um, they're not, not off the hook either. The Houston Independent School District declined to comment. So that district, the school board, this principal, they're all gutless administrators as far as I'm concerned. Somebody should be saying something about something. Well... We're definitely That's why they're getting, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote big bucks, as they like to say. Well, we are context. saying something about this, and our listeners, I think, will say something about this as well. So, we'll have to see what they say about what's up with that.
We are now up to our Words of Wisdom segment. I'm going to play excerpts from the June 12, 2005 commencement speech at Stanford University. And as I said in the intro, this is one of the most famous commencement speeches of all time, definitely in the last 20 years, because it was done by none other than Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs is the co-founder of what was, yes, Apple Computer. Well, no, it was because he's passed well, away. I know, I know what you meant. And, um, I, yes, he was co-founder of Apple Computer, which is now known by the name of just Apple. And, unfortunately, like you said, he has passed on, but he's left a great legacy which includes this commencement speech. Absolutely, yes. He, he passed away of pancreatic cancer in uh, 2011 after a long, long uh, battle against it. But this is, this is the, the whole speech is over 40 minutes long. These are, you know, various excerpts went through, and I'm just going to play this one snippet, which I think is the, there, there are really four really good words of wisdom and later on, when we get into other podcasts, we may bring this back up and go with, you know, the second best Steve Jobs from that speech and so on. But this is the best one, in our opinion, from that speech. And again, Steve Jobs, in his words, in 2005. My third story is about death. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. It made an impression on me, and since then, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. All right. That is just, I think, awesome insight. Now, at the time, he was battling pancreatic cancer. Uh, very few people knew it at the time. And um, clearly, death was literally on his mind. His mortality, in other words, was on his mind. He didn't know how much time he had left. And the fact that he actually uh, lived 10 years, I'm not sure what stage of pancreatic cancer he had, but that's still given the nature of that illness, was um, an, an awesome, awesome feat to, to live that long. But the, the thing about him was, even though he had pancreatic cancer, he, he still lived. Yes. He went to work every day. He did what he needed to do. But he focused on what was important. Not all the side stuff that, yeah, you think you need to do, but do you really? Plus... As he said, uh, it got real crystalline focused on what's really important versus, oh, is this um, 
somewhat embarrassing and so forth. He had didn't care. He was like, this is this is what I'm gonna focus on, what my path is, and it doesn't really matter, these other things. They're just not important at the end of the day. No one's gonna care. Great words of wisdom. Absolutely. Well, Brenda, I think we are at uh, the end of the show. Episode 13 is a wrap. Uh, Yes, it is officially a wrap. Yay. We have done another episode of This and That. So um, we just keep rolling right along. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. And we're not rolling on the river. No. No. You're you're not Tina. I'm not Ike. No. Okay. Well, anyway, what are we going to talk about in episode 14? We could sum it up by the phrase, equal time for canines. Ooh, I think dog lovers are going to like that one if they listen to episode 9. Yes. Where we talked about cats and nine lives. Yes. So uh, the the um, canine dog lovers of the world, um, some of them took uh, issue with that, to which we had to tell people, and we said this in the podcast, we have had cats and dogs simultaneously. Yes. So So we heard you, we heard dog you. lovers. We heard you. Yes. And the episode will be coming up next time, episode 14. Absolutely. So until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.